Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up and welcome into the Monday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. Alongside, as usual, is Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com. Happy game day. To everyone, as the Pelicans take on the Golden State Warriors tonight inside the Smoothie King Center, 7 p.m. tip. And Jim, something's got to give tonight. Warriors are 0-2, Pelicans are 0-3. I'm hoping it's the home team that gets the first win, but uh, it's been an interesting week to start off, especially for the Golden State Warriors, too. Yeah, and for the Pelicans, I mean, it's just been... I feel like there's been a lot of positive signs. There's been a lot of things that people have liked when we go, go through the comments from fans about the games, during the games and after the games. Um, people are encouraged, but it's just been frustrating to not get a, a win so far. The players, I think, had a lot of good things to say after Saturday's game. Um, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball all talked about how you know they're just this close to being able to convert some of the positive stuff that's been happening on the court into victories. Um, the game tonight is interesting. Um, should be a lot of points, and that's a good thing and a bad thing. The Pelicans are um, 28th in the league right now in defensive rating, super small sample size. The Warriors are 30th, so I think both of these teams are, are going to try to see what they can improve at that end of the floor. You mentioned Brandon Ingram, and he's been one of the bright spots for this Pelicans team. Um, 35 points the other night in the loss to Houston. Um, what what have you seen from him as far as just what's made him so successful? But he just seems to be clicking on all cylinders right now. He really has. I think getting to watch him play sporadically when he was with the Lakers and compared to now getting to watch him every game, through preseason in these first three regular season games. I think what stands out to me the most has been his ability to hurt a defense in so many different ways. He's been able to drive the basket. He's been mid, a mid, really effective mid-range guy, even though I know people are trying to, to move mid-range completely out of the NBA. Um, he's also shot threes well. He's 10 for 19 so far from three-point range, um, eight for 10 on free throws. Just the fact that he's you know, been, been so good in so many different areas offensively. He also has 13 assists in three games, which is 4.3 a game. So just, just really a impressive start to his career so far with the Pelicans. Tim Roy is our guest today. He's the radio voice of the Golden State Warriors. Um, and they are going back to something that I know Tim's been used to in the past as far as the struggles, but I know Jim for the last five years, um, he hasn't had to worry about that. And it's been interesting to see them play just based on yesterday's game against Oklahoma City. Just not not your dad's Golden State Warriors, as you like to say. Certainly. And when you say not your father's Golden State Warriors, I think one of the biggest things that will immediately stand out to people if you haven't watched the Golden State play so far in preseason or their two regular season games is just the unfamiliarity of the names. You're going to see a bunch of guys that you're like, who is this guy? I've never seen him play before. We're used to seeing if Golden State uses eight or nine man rotation. We're used to seeing every single guy be somebody that we've watched year in and year out, deep into the playoffs or in the in the NBA Finals, and being, you know, 
key parts of teams that won three of the last five championships. So now you just have a bunch of players that don't have much on their resume. And it's that I don't mean that as a disrespect. I just mean it's more like guys that are just starting their NBA careers right now. Before we get into our interview with Tim Roy, um, can we warn the fans how much Utica College talk is about to be brought up <laughs> in this interview? Yeah, we can. And there, there is – not that I recommend this, but there is a fast-forward button if you if you feel – like you can't, you're getting too much Utica College knowledge, but I will say that he's very interesting. He he has a very interesting story about. Um, well, I can let him tell the stories. story about the old school NBA that he's uh, he has was told stories to from other people, and he actually recommended that we have a podcast down the road, which I think is great, where we just sit around and tell stories, whether it's ones that we experienced or ones we heard from people that worked in the N- NBA thirty or 40, 40 years ago. I love that idea. Joining us now is the radio voice of the Golden State Warriors, Tim Roy, as they are here in New Orleans after a tough loss yesterday in Oklahoma City, so a back-to-back for the Golden State Warriors. Tim, I appreciate the time. I know it's been a, a tough go for the Golden State Warriors to start the season. Yeah, it has been. Uh, it's it's really it, it, after a five-year run of fantasies, which is I tell our our uh, fans that uh, you know now you're in back to reality yeah, this is this is the way the nba is it's it's a cruel league and if you're not ready to play and doesn't don't have the roster you want and you know the warriors for you know a lot of uh people don't realize just how much that they lost from last year to this year and and you know you have kevin durant one of the best players ever to play the game andre iguodala who is um you know this just one of the uh uh, smartest players that I've ever been around, and then you know Sean Livingston, who's a, a veteran pro, knows how to play, and and you know the list goes on. They've they've lost a lot of veterans, and so they have a lot of young players. They've gone from like the oldest team in the league to the fourth youngest, and a lot of players who have never played together before, and it shows right now. And it's been you know been outscored by 47 points in two games, and you know and they're trying to avoid their first 0 and 3 start since 07 08. Um, and so, uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of a head scratching time right now. And it's something that the fan base is not used to, you know, the, the grizzled veterans, like you really remember the days when, you know, this was not, uh, an abnormal thing, but it, it certainly hasn't been in the recent past. Did, did fans, did you all expect the start? I know you, you talk about all the pieces that you lost. I know a lot of people projected that this team could still be a playoff team. And given it's only two games, so there's no need to write them off right now. But as far as how the outcomes of these games have gone, did, did you all expect this? Or did you all think maybe these would be a little closer to start the season? Well, here, uh, yeah, I'll be totally honest. I, I thought after the, we had a, a very weird preseason schedule. We played the Lakers four times. Because neither team really, uh, you know, Lakers had a trip to China, so when they came back, they didn't want to leave California. Our team didn't want to leave California at all, so we played five games in California, and four of them were against the Lakers. And so then opening night, the Clippers come in, and during the five-year run, the only superstar the Warriors had a losing record against was Kawhi Leonard. They had a winning record against LeBron, winning record mm-hmm. against Harden, Westbrook. You know, you pick, pick the guy the Warriors had a winning record against. And the only guy they had a losing record against was, was Kawhi Leonard. So he's a matchup that they don't have anything for. And I don't think anybody does. But so after that game, my sense was, okay, they played six games total, five preseason, one regular season. Five of them have been against two teams that many feel are, you know, in the top four or five in the league, depending on how you rank them. So 
said, I'm not going to pass judgment right now. But I think the shocker was at Oklahoma City. I think they they expected to play well there, and it was just more of the same. And they're out of sync. Their their spacing's not good. Their rotations aren't good. Um, they haven't been able to defend, and so it's a, it kind of snowballs on them very quickly, you know. And and for most of the game, uh, the other night they were down by uh, you know 20, 20 points, and that's just not going to get done. Tim. Uh... Daniel, I think, is tired of me bringing up my uh, connections to upstate and central New York, but I was <laughs> wanted to mention the fact that you're uh, – so I won't bring up on the air that you're uh, a Utica go, College man. graduate. And you're, you're, uh, you're in the Hall of Fame there, right, for the, for the school for athletics? I, I am. I am in the Hall of Fame there. Yes, I am. Thank you. What Thanks was the – bringing it up. <laughs> I mean, I, I told Daniel I wouldn't bring that up New York stuff anymore, but what what sport was that for? Well, it wasn't for a sport. It's for being oh, a from, uh, contributor. Sure. You from, know, um, uh, when I was there, uh, I helped the radio station go from basically you could barely hear it on campus to 1,000 watts and then, uh, you know, did all their games, and then when I was a professional there, working professionally, at the start of my junior year, still did their games, and so um, I did a lot there. And I think basically they were just recognizing the fact that my career started there, and it started in that that little tiny gym there. Yeah. And so uh, I think that that's what they were doing it for, cool. uh, kind of recognition for that way. Yeah. I, I was very very touched of that. Uh, but the, the funny story about that that was 2013. And the Warriors were in the playoffs for the first time since 07. And I went to my boss, Rick Welch, because it, the, the the ceremony was in between two games. And it was like we were in San Antonio, and, and my my boss goes, oh, of course you have to go there. Just go there. And, sure. and we'll, you know, we'll help you with the tickets and just get there. And so I did a game in San Antonio, got up the next morning, flew to Chicago, connected to Syracuse, drove to Utica, got a shower, uh, got to the ceremony, did the ceremony, hung out with a couple people I hadn't seen in years, went back to the hotel, got up at 4 in the morning, went to Syracuse, flew back out to San Francisco, took BART across the bay to Oakland, took another shower, and then did game six. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. And so uh, so it was, it was kind of hectic. Yeah. Yeah, my, my dad is actually a Utica native, and my grandparents lived uh, – a few blocks from the college, but I won't from Utica College, but I won't, but I won't bring that up during this podcast. But anyways, I was okay. going to ask you. Uh, Thank you. And by by the way, just for your for your listeners to know that Upstate New York has a very big connection with the NBA. They have the Syracuse Nationals there, mm-hmm. and the Rochester uh, team, which is now Sacramento. And the guy who invented the twenty four second shot clock was the owner of the Nationals, yeah. Danny Biasoni, and so. Uh, we have a lot to owe to uh, owe them because that revolutionized the game. There was no more delays. They were, you know, guys were playing four corners and delaying, and games were like twenty-two to twenty. Mm-hmm. But since the advent of the clock, basketball has evolved into the game we see today. Daniel is thoroughly enjoying this. I see, want. I'll w- take that because I'm learning something now. <laughs> one one thing, one quick note I'll throw in too before we get back to the 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 topic at hand is. Uh, the Rochester Royals, I think it's 1951 NBA championship banner, is still displayed in the Rochester War Memorial. We, I actually covered when I covered uh, for newspaper, I covered state high school championships. I saw that banner there numerous times. So wow. it's it's funny to think back on 
there, we need to do a separate podcast just on the 1950s NBA because there's so many fascinating uh, aspects of how yeah. small the league was and how it was based a lot in you know Rochester, Syracuse, towns like that. So I'll let you handle that okay, one. Last, <laughs> last, last, last one. Here's the the, the the great broadcaster Marty Glickman, who was the early voice of the New York Knicks. Yeah, told me told me a story one time that about how they traveled in the early days was by train. This is back in the 40s and 50s. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they have played a game, and they're, they're going to Fort Wayne. That's where the, the Pistons started. They mm-hmm. were the Fort Wayne, Indiana Pistons. And so the train had a stop at Fort Wayne, but it was outside of town. So they would get off the train in the middle of the night, literally take a, a, a little rock and throw it to hit a window at this building, this boarding house. And the woman that owned the boarding house would come to the window because, oh, it's the Knickerbockers. And she would go <laughs> and then call into town, and people would come out in their cars to take the team into town to the hotel so they could play the game the you know that same day, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> so it was it was just crazy. So every time you know one of our chartered aircraft has a mechanical, I try to think of those days and and not get too uh, too bent out of shape about it. <laughs> See, if, you, if we have stories like that, then Jim can bring this up any time. But since you know you're not on every I podcast, if, you, if there's no, yeah. if you're not on the podcast, then I'm just gonna have to tell Jim to keep quiet. But those are some good stories. I appreciate those. Well, what we should do, what we should do, is then reconvene uh, sometime like next August or something like that. You know, when the, when the, there's no games going on and we just tell stories, that would be fun. I like that. Mm, I Story like time with Tim Roy. <laughs> exactly. Our, I actually did have a Warriors-related question for you, um, Tim. Uh, one of the things that you kind of alluded to at the very beginning was how not that long ago it wasn't unusual for the Warriors to have struggles. It, I think for people who are new to the NBA, they don't realize, too, that, I mean, for a stretch there, the Warriors were definitely one of the teams that had probably the worst record in the league over a span of a few years. I mean, you, you've seen I, – I think people people think of the Warriors as – if you just started following the NBA, you think of them as like spoiled by success. But I mean, you, you went through, I mean, you've seen like every aspect of the NBA. I would think from your perspective that you would be able to appreciate the success that, that the Warriors had even more than, than most people would just because you've been through, you know, some of the, so many years that were rough. Yeah. You know, it's funny, you know, when, once you accumulate a number of years, and especially with one franchise, you, you understand the, you know, unless you're, you know, announcing for the Spurs, you know, or somebody like that, then um, you really appreciate the good times. You know, you were, you know, you were absolutely right. There was a early in my tenure, I got to the Warriors in 95, and we had a stretch of 19, 21, 19, 17, and 21 wins. Mm. And um, that will test your, you know, your mettle and your patience. In fact, we had a year uh, – when we, we beat the Clippers in 2000, 2001, and we were 15 and 33, and we have been like 14 and 28. And so after 15 and 33, we finished 17 and 65. Mm. We went 2 and 32 to end the year. Wow. And, um, you know, when anybody starts giving me, uh, you know, a hard time about announcing for, you know, uh, one of the you know the great runs of all time. I remind them that my overall record with the Warriors is still below 500. So <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, so, the, you yeah, had to you, dig. You, you definitely had to it. dig out a ways if, if based on the records that they've had the last few years, if you're still under 500. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a good stat right there. So, yeah. and you know what? Here's the thing. It was it was we were down for so long, and uh, you know we had the 07 playoff appearance with the team, the We Believe team, and that that was like a, a meteor. You know, they had two good years, and that was it. And then. Um, but but basically, it, it, everything changed when our ownership changed, and when that changed, it, it just we just kind of took off, and uh, and so uh, hopefully they'll they'll get it right this year and, and get the get it going in the right direction. But you know, like you said, it's really early; it's two games in, and it's really you know if we're talking about like this about the team, you know, when you're 22 games in, okay, then you got a real issue. Sure. Um, as far as this year's team goes as well. Um one of the things that they were kind of breaking down on NBA TV and ESPN after the game yesterday against OKC was just some of the, the defensive breakdowns. Do you get a sense of, of what Golden State needs to do or what are some of the areas where they're going to focus on with the problem that you have when you have so many new guys? It just seems like people always focus on chemistry offensively, but defensively, um, what, what do you think are some of the ways or some of the things that, that the Warriors need to do to get you know just drastically better at that end of the floor? They have to improve at point of attack first and foremost. Uh, too much to dribble penetration that leads to guys running around and all of a sudden you're scrambling and there are open people. Um, and, you know, early in that game, they had so many turnovers that it was easy for Oklahoma City to get into a rhythm. That's the other thing. People don't understand that turnovers are a big part of your defense mm-hmm. because if you turn the ball over and now all of a sudden you're, you're you know, running back and it's three on two or four on two, whatever it is, you're giving them an opportunity to get an easy look at the basket, and and I think turnovers, point of attack, or 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 one thing, and just just try to uh, to know your personnel. You know, know who the guys are. You really need to close out to the guys you don't need to close out to. And the problem is that boys have so many young players that I don't think they're really there yet. Um, they're going to have to grow up pretty quickly. You know, my guess is that we may see the Warriors play more zone than most teams, simply to try to get some sort of uh, confusion going on the offensive end and to make them uncomfortable. But, again, that's another thing. It, it takes time and communication to get that right. I'm sure it also takes time for some of the new guys to get acclimated, including D'Angelo Russell. Again, it's only been two games, but one, how does he complement playing alongside Steph Curry? And maybe what – have there been some growing pains through these first couple of days in preseason? Oh no, no question, no question. It, it, you know, you go from Steph playing alongside Clay Thompson, and they know exactly, you know, where to go, how to do it, you know, where to, to how to set that baseline screen, you know, and to make it more effective. And you go from that, you know, two guys in complete sync, to a player that you know has never played alongside Steph before, hasn't played all that much as a two, and so uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be a work in progress. I think. One of the things a lot of times that players coming to the Warriors have to learn is that if they give the ball up, it will find them. And I think that's, that's a struggle for young guys sometimes because sometimes players view their self-worth as to how much they're scoring and not exactly you know, how much they're contributing. And so sometimes you get players, and we've all seen it, every team has a couple of guys, they haven't touched the ball in a few possessions, they're going to get that, you know, if they get it, it's going up because they, that, they feel like they have to score to be, be recognized and so 
Uh, I think in this case, the way the Warriors move the ball, I think that's one where where area where I think D'Angelo will learn over time that if he gives the ball up, he's going to be able to get it back. And I did, I think he's he's pressing a little bit right now uh, because I think he wants you know things to go well. And you know, being as he is their you know key offseason acquisition. Tim, I'm curious, and the you know the answer to this question might be that it hasn't been addressed or it hasn't been really dealt with or brought up. When a team makes the finals five years in a row, and you have some of the, your main players who've played so many minutes and so many games, obviously compared to you know a normal team in the NBA, is there has Steve Kerr or the team kind of discussed at all like what the plan is for? Steph Curry and Draymond, as far as you know, how load management is becoming a big trend across the NBA. Is there any? Have they talked about that at all? Like, are they going to try to find games off for them this year? Are they going to try to keep their minutes reasonable and that kind of thing? Yeah, I'm sure they're going to try to do that because there is a toll. It's a it's a mental toll. It's a physical toll, and and um, it's real. It's absolutely real. Um, you know, even even for someone like me, you know the the. The, the reality is you get to Labor Day and you go, where did my summer go? Sure. You really didn't have much of a summer, you know. Uh, you know, there were years with the Warriors where I could plan my Memorial Day barbecue on January 1. <laughs> but um, yep. but now, you know, that, that was a little different. And so, yeah, I think there will be t- days where they will um, they'll, they'll, they'll give those guys some, some time to recoup. And, and, and also I, I think it's going to also depend on what kind of a season the Warriors have. You know, if they're in the playoff hunt, uh, they may have to push those guys a little harder than normal, uh, than, well, a little harder than maybe they have the last couple of years. But if they're not in the playoff hunt, I think then, then definitely you'll see some, some load management there. You know, the, the, the thing with the Warriors is that they have to keep in mind, and, and, and I think everybody is, is focused on is that Clay Thompson's going to come back. He's going to come back. And, and, you know, he's, he's, um, he's kind of that, you know, freak of nature kind of guy. I think he's, I don't think he'll be, you know, exactly like Clay Thompson was before, but he's going to be good. And and so I think when he comes back, whether it be say if that's next year, then they still have a window with Draymond, Clay, and Steph of a couple of years. I think that the big picture of trying to, you know, get that run as these guys are still in their early 30s to to maybe a run to a couple of more titles. I think that's what they're going to try to keep in mind. Uh, last question for you, Tim. Our Seeky question of the day is more of just a Pelican's perspective. I know, obviously, you're focused on your team. They've had a couple nationally televised games, including opening night against the Toronto Raptors. Have you been able to watch a little bit of the Pelicans, and what are your overall thoughts on them heading into tonight's game? You know, I I love what they did in in the off season and and with the the trade of Anthony Davis. I think. Uh, that that's going to pay dividends for them for years. I think they've got a, a great collection of young talent, probably the deepest guard line in the league. Um, so uh, I I really I really like what they've done, and I think that the that when Zion comes back and gets on the floor for them, then I think you're going to see. And obviously, Drew Holiday can play either whether it be tonight or whenever he gets back to the floor. That's a key piece for them. But, but I think when Zion comes back, I think they'll be a team to be reckoned with. And I think the, the future here is very, very bright. And because, because Lord knows we need another good team in the West. You know, <laughs> we need another really good team in the Western Conference. But, you know, with, 
with Alvin Gentry and, and you get you know and, and that coaching staff, uh, these guys will be up to speed pretty quickly. And I, I think, you know, despite the fact that you guys haven't won a game yet, you've been really, really competitive, and and you guys can score, and that's going to be a, a problem for the rest of us. Well, Tim, I appreciate the time here. I look forward to seeing you at the arena. I know you and Jim can catch up and talk about Utica for for days to come. I appreciate it. <laughs> have a, a Utica club after the contest tonight, so there you go. <laughs> My grandfather actually was a brewmaster there, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, he was. Oh, wow. He he was wow, born wow, in wow. Germany and immigrated to the U.S. when he was, I think, in his mid to late 20s, and because of his background of growing up in Germany, he uh, immediately went to work as a brewmaster for Utica Club and was there for 30, 40 years. So there wow. you go. I can actually get uh, every now and then they have some Saranac in the Bevmo near my house. So I there you go. There you go. There you go. All right, I'm gonna cut off Jim's microphone now. He's out <laughs> of control. Tim, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tim. All right, man. Take care. Okay, so I must admit that he had some very interesting stories, but I feel like Jim, if it wasn't for him bringing up those interesting stories, that I'm gonna have to ban you from bringing up Upstate New York in the next couple of podcasts. <laughs> you know. When I brought it up, I wasn't expecting it to turn into a, a long thing that we discussed, but uh, but I was happy that he did. I'm always happy to discuss upstate New York and central New York. By the way, for people who don't know, Utica is about an hour east of Syracuse. I'm not sure how how much people know about the geography of New York State, but it's a it's a relatively uh, smallish city town in in uh, that part of New York. So there you go. Well, that'll do it for the Utica podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm just kidding. It's a Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. Trying to find tickets to basketball games or any other live event can be complicated. There's hundreds of sites and shady pricing. With SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place. Search for and discover the best deals on seats. Buy from any device and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple of taps. Best of all, our listeners will get $20 off their first purchase in the SeatGeek app. Use the code GOPELS, all one word, at checkout. SeatGeek. Score the best deals on tickets. Do you have any other facts for us, Jim, before we get out of here? Um, no, I think I'm good. Uh, I think Utica Club is a, a very well-known beer, but mostly in the northeastern New York state, just so people can kind of understand a little bit more about that reference that Tim and I made See, to maybe the beer. if you bring back some Utica beer, and then while you're telling these stories, I can have a few. That way I can probably stomach <laughs> these a little easier. That'd be great. I knew you were going to say that. But, yeah, we, we'll see what we can do. I mean, I definitely have some connections up there. I'm sure my dad does. My dad actually worked at that brewery, I think, when he was in college He in his summers. So he's he must know people that still uh, still work there. We'll see if we can get some free beer for you. There we go. That'll do it for today's podcast. Pelicans and Warriors tonight from the Smoothie King Center. If you can't make it to the game, which we highly encourage you to do so, you can watch it on Fox Sports New Orleans, nationally on NBA TV, and you can listen locally on ESPN 100.3 New Orleans and the Pelicans Radio Network, presented by Smoothie King. For Jim and also Tim Roy, I'm Daniel Salerson. Enjoy the game tonight, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday.